to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation of the Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Still a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. What do you want to talk about? It's the Max Fun Block Party. All right. You always do a fun thing, Adam, where we have a thing to do together to make our podcast, and you make me feel like I am making you do it. That's the bit, Ben. Your business, Ben. And I'm don't need this shit, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Adam, people rely on this show, okay? It should be a utility. <laughs> yeah. Why isn't the federal government paying us to do this? I know. And distributing to everyone for free. Yeah. Instead, we're pimping ourselves at a block party trying to meet new people. Yeah. We're putting our best foot forward out there. We're releasing clip shows to people. If you haven't checked that out, oh, yeah. we either have already or are about to release a, uh, a Greatest Gen, Greatest Hits episode. Yeah, and uh, an episode where we team up with our buddies over at the Dead Pilot Society and talk about making our respective podcasts, and uh, that should be a lot of fun as well. We should put out a cover to that episode that is like the Essential Hits CD covers. (laughs) Like, now that's what I call Greatest Gen? No, like the Essential Collection series of cds where it's like a a photograph in black and white and then it's like the essential greatest generation (laughs) we didn't really have the bandwidth to do the essential greatest discovery and i kind of have been feeling bad about that i feel like there's some great stuff on that show and i wish we'd like taken the time to mine it the way we did for this one We've got enough viewers for Greatest Gen. What we need is more viewers for Greatest Discovery, and a clip show is a great way to do that. Give people a good first bite of a show. Here's where we've been. Here's where we are. Here's where we're going. (laughs) Here's what I'm going to do. Here's Here's what what I'm I'm doing. doing. (laughs) Here's what I did. Did you like that? Did you (laughs) like that shit? (laughs) Yeah, maybe we can get with our friends from the Discord to see if we can't pull some clips from that show and put out another episode for The Greatest Discovery. It's a show I'm really proud of, and especially now because we're covering such great new Star Trek like Lower Decks. Yeah. Maybe we'll have that ready in time for the next Max Fun block party if this becomes an annual event. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I like our timing on that. We are buried. I feel like if shows were snow, I would be like, I'm trying to carve out that part under the under the uh god can't fucking think right now what's the thing where a bunch of snow falls on you <laughs> avalanche <laughs> i'm dying ben my oh, brain man. is just uh it's all the middle parts of a sponge and none of the sponge itself i think we're gonna have one of those episodes where there's only one set of footprints in the sand but it's like one of my feet and one of your feet and we're like soldiers that are like hopping each other off the battlefield it's not healthy what we're doing, Ben. No. It's not healthy to do nothing but watch Star Trek and record Star Trek and edit Star Trek. This is why I want the government to subsidize this. <laughs> I want a national... I want from each according to his ability to make a Star Trek podcast to each according to his willingness <laughs> to listen to a Star Trek podcast. 
I couldn't think of the word avalanche. <laughs> the fuck is the matter with me? Somebody is like a first time listener because it's the block party and they're oh, like, yeah, oh, let me cool. give this a try. And they're like, wow, these guys are fucking morons. Yeah. Great. I ruined it. I ruined block party. Uh, I, one... I drove my car through the street closed signs <laughs> and, and smashed into the table with all the food. Yeah. This was our big opportunity to pack new listeners on and we fucking blew it. Yeah. Oh, uh, was anyone expecting anything different? I wasn't. It's like an opportunity to double the number of torpedoes you have on your starship, and you don't even think about that opportunity. You just think about Harry Kim and a baby, Adam. You know what? I was wrong about what I said before. I did expect it to go this way. I just expected you to be the one that ruins it. Wow. Not me. <laughs> I am the ruiner. Yeah, you're the ruiner now. <laughs> Do you want to get into season two, episode 21 of Voyager? It's called Deadlock. I mean, after that, Marin Open, we got to get to the show out of self-defense. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> ben, I'm shocked in this open that uh, it seems like Paris did not, in fact, deliver Wildman's baby. Yeah. And if he did, she's already pregnant again. She is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was cru crucially, Adam, that was a lie that he told during his I'm being a dick to Chicote for spycraft reasons days. I still believed, Ben. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> Such is my love for Tom Paris. Yeah. Boy, you hate to see this, right, Adam? Because this episode opens with Neelix freshening up Ensign Wildman. That's a pregnant woman, Neelix. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, save that for uh, a few tabs from now. <laughs> that one's for later, yeah. when, the, when the first tabs aren't working. This guy is really cutting corners in the canteen. Yeah. He, he makes the pregnant lady fix his stove, and then he wants her to fix his replicator and admits that he has been replicating cabbage and shit. This is the thing, though, when you're a renter, the super's never going to come if you give them the list of 10 things. Right. But Neelix is, here is just telling Wildman about the leaky faucet and then waiting for the super to arrive before telling Wildman about all the other things in the apartment that are broken. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Lure them in with a falsely simple job. <laughs> it's a good thing there's a fainting couch right next to the replicator that she's fixing at the end of this scene. Yeah. Because she crashes right into it. Very Victorian in design, the uh, Voyager mess hall. I mean, it looks like that thing wipes clean, though, right? Oh, yeah. It's going to be next to a replicator? Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. The water breaking on a surface like that is not going to be a huge problem. Yeah. So uh, so she is off to Six Bay, and it's big smiles all around in uh, in the mess hall. I mean, these are people that need good news. They're about to tuck into some of Neelix's cooking. So <laughs> the impending arrival of a baby is, is great. Cass is advising deep, regular breaths to Wildman. And a bit of dialogue I just didn't understand. <laughs> Take the standard kind of breath, Wildman. You know, what you would normally do. Wildman's like, were you in the Lamaze <laughs> class? or <laughs> I think that was just me, right. Cass. <laughs> I was the only one running that holodeck program. Wildman points down to below the curtain, and she's like, can you freshen this up? <laughs> because shit down there is crazy at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a spiky baby. and uh... Are we allowed to say it's a horny baby? Because I want to say it's a horny baby. What is the definitional distinction between a horn and a spike? 
Like, is it just a size issue? <laughs> like, when you get Magatu size, they're, they're horns. Right. Smaller than Magatu, it's uh, Spike. Yeah, that guy that guy uh, talks a lot of game, like he's he's rocking a horn, but uh, he is merely packing a spike. I feel like it has more to do with the number. Like, I don't think things have five horns, but they have five spikes. <laughs> sure, you know? yeah. Like a yeah. horn is a one or a twosie. Anything more than two, it goes to spike? Is that yeah. it? Like, yeah. You can have up to two horns, but if it... And this baby has three, right? No, I mean, this 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 is why the baby's horny. You're like a fucking vax denier. You're like Googling information to try and fit your your preconceived notion. I want to call the baby horny, and I need to come up with a worldview. I'm trying to make the world match up to my comedy worldview. Yeah. Bad. I'm doing the best I can to make this funny. Very nervous energy on the bridge. Uh, Tom Paris apparently not aware that labor one of those things can take a long time am i making any sense here especially where horns are involved ben yeah you want to be slow he's like i saw a disaster wharf delivered keiko's baby in like five minutes what are we waiting for they're they're kind of shaped like shark's teeth in a way where like you want the head to be positioned in such a way that we're not fish hooking our way (laughs) out of the womb yeah yeah you want them to be easing the, the passage and not turning into barbs. Right. Chakotay uh, says a line that made me laugh a lot here. He says, uh, I don't know why I'm so nervous. This isn't even my child. My child's going to be half Cardassian and culturally Kazon. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Seska having like the smoothest birth ever. <laughs> Like, barely even feeling it. Like, uh, few people know that Cardassian children come out with the spoons inverted, so it's just like, uh, just an extra smooth bump. And the Kazon doctors are amazed. They're like, usually these are jammed up for hours because of the pine cones. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually like the seasonal autumn section of a Michael's craft store. <laughs> yeah, it's for some reason a ton of pine cones and like foam core yeah, spills yeah. out. Some varnished gourds? <laughs> Why are these in here? Yeah, it's a womb of plenty. Janeway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> has a dark comment about bringing life into a world as fucked as theirs is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which really like pops the balloon on the whole thing, right? Yeah. And if that wasn't a bummer, the Vidian armada that they're bearing down on is really going to drop the crew morale through the floor. There's a butcher's meat case amount of ships out there around uh, 20 ground round class starships. In the distance. And Paris is suggesting maybe uh, hiding out in a plasma storm to yeah. transit through. It stretches like half the length of the sector. This, this is like taking the forest road to avoid traffic, right? Right. It always seems like a good idea. Yeah. Every fantasy novel, this, this winds up having been a huge mistake. Yeah. But Paris is more of like a mid-century culture guy. Like He's all about cars and, and making out on, on cliffs. I love how scary this episode makes the Vidians again. 
Yeah. And it's unfortunately not this point. Like, I'm retroactively scared of this moment after going through what we do in the set because the idea of 20 of these ships out there and what they would do to their bodies, yeah, it, it would just be like a, a pile of wet gloves when they were done with them. Yeah. I'm in no mood to donate any organs today. The show starts to really cut around quite a bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are doing the transit of the plasma field up on the bridge and the delivery of the baby down in Six Bay. And it's 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 really pacey, and yeah. uh, they they make it through the 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 plasma field, but their warp engines go out. They draw the equivalence between the ship's transit through the plasma storm and this horny baby's transit through the womb. <laughs> <laughs> the warp engines are out, the impulse engines are out, and Bolana Torres comes up with the idea of doing proton bursts to. Uh, to fix this situation. Wildman's like, you're going to shoot my baby's horns off? This is a rare complication. And they're like, no, 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 no. This is about a different thing. BLT grabs Skulk Hogan and they uh, are going to get to work on this proton burst situation. Except for one happens before they've even started. It's like effect happening before cause. Yeah. What is this? A different episode of Star Trek? What's happening here are a lot of bangers and... These bangers are occurring all over the ship. Girders are dropping everywhere. Uh, casualties are multiplying. Yeah, and they're like, this proton burst idea may be a huge mistake. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do the thing that it seems like we did, but I'm almost positive we didn't. Janeway's like, did we fire proton bursts? According to our data banks, we have. Twice. And she immediately surrenders to the Vidians. Right. Because <laughs> she knows how bad this looks. Yeah, they don't bother to to beam her over to the ship. They just beam some parts out. (laughs) Speaking of beaming parts out, down in Six Bay, they have to uh, do the sort of 24th century equivalent of a C-section, which is transport the baby out of the womb. Transporters usually reserved for ship beaming are recalibrated to uh, transport a baby out of the womb. Yeah. It's just a simple dial. Amazing. There's a really fun edit they slipped in here, Ben, that I wonder if you noticed where a banger gets dropped and BLT kind of doubles over. And then we cut to the bridge and Janeway's already doubled over and she stands back up. Oh, I didn't notice I that. But, uh, that's, that's a really cool match on action. Yeah, it really is. When we come back, the ship is in, in really rough shape. And it's not like, it's, it's not like it, we've like stabilized here. I like how they make it seem as though the, the tension is, oh boy, I hope Wildman's baby is going to be all right, because as more and more people flow into Six Bay, it seems like her level of care is going to diminish. Yeah. this is You know, the more and more uh, the people need to be triaged. Right. But it's, it quickly becomes like, not just about a baby and Wildman, but like an existential threat to everyone. The math of this is really three-dimensional too, because it's like, of course like mother and newborn need care but also like critical engineering personnel who keep the ship running the horny baby doesn't have a job yet right all right like we really need the others and then one of the bangers affects the emh's ability to like hold his tricorder and you're starting to worry about like are they even going to be able to treat these people at all there's a report of 
some incoming casualties from the mess hall. And when I heard this, I was like, hey, maybe after the first banger gets dropped, you push your plate away from the table and get back to your station. (laughs) What are these people doing in the mess hall after the first one gets dropped? Maybe they're not like coming directly from the mess hall, but they did have a meal in there recently and they've got like some tummy issues that are just starting to present. I wonder if it's also like a shelter in place thing rule. Like if a banger drops, oh yeah, don't try to use a turbo lift. Don't try to run through a corridor. Stay until the bangers stop. Yeah. This episode is so willing to fuck this setup. And I wonder from a production standpoint how scary that is. Because these are standing sets that they mm-hmm. need to reuse week after week. And there are so many scenes of like, of shit all over consoles. And like BLT just like violently sweeping stuff out of the way, which I'm sure like scratches up those little, the yeah. like Lexan on the screens and they probably have to replace all that stuff. But you need it to look right. <laughs> the doctor is uh, for some reason treating Neelix when Kess explains to him that... Uh, Morale isn't important right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really going to nosedive morale? A dead horny baby. Yeah. The baby is uh, is is struggling to stay alive. And uh, there are like hull sections coming away. BLT and Kim have been tasked to go erect an emergency force field because the emergency force fields aren't working. It's fucking crazy. It's really trouble from all directions in a great way. The tension of the first 10 minutes of this episode is just really breathless it really reminded me of uh star trek 2009 yes except we weren't crying during the uh title sequence like (laughs) i was during star trek 2009 yeah you're like god this is gonna be a great movie and then you saw the rest of it yeah the cold (laughs) open to that movie was where the water started to roll back (laughs) skulk hogan not actually dead he needs medical assistance but BLT and Kim have to get that force field erected, so the doctor says, sends Kess down there toward him. Kim hears Hogan get blasted in the face, and he's like, God, it's a good thing I'm a main cast character. I'm going to live forever! <laughs> <laughs> and then the floor opens up under him, and he's gone. Yeah. My God! Was anyone in here? He's a floater. He's living the dream, Ben. That's what we want to do. He's living the dream of Ben and Adam. Yeah. It looks like so much fun. It looks great. God. Get get those wind machines up in our faces. Get us on a cable. Float us around like Bon Jovi in the Living on a Prayer video. Give me all that stuff. If we ever get to interview Garrett, I want to ask him about this moment in particular. I want to talk about that and literally nothing else with it, him. It'll be the Chris Farley show, but for this moment. <laughs> yeah. So the doc elevates himself up to the top of the triage list while Wildman appears to lose hope. I'm sorry, Ensign. In Six Bay, nothing tests a morale officer like a dead baby, and this is going to be Neelix's greatest challenge, I think. He does seem less upset by this than he was by uh, hearing that Tom Paris was leaving the ship. (laughs) Kess, over here! Kess is down there to, uh, to help... Skulk Hogan, and she's running down the hallway and just kind of blinks out of existence. And 
BLT is shocked to see this, and she's like radioing up to the bridge to explain what happened. A lot of people in need of some freshening up on the ship. <laughs> and now, now no one can do it but Neelix. She does a little experiment. She throws some, some debris into the rift that Kess fell through and detects a breathable atmosphere on the other side. It's a Class M rift. Opportunity for comedy not taken here. You know, I think you could really cut to the other side of the rift and have that piece of conduit hit a random crew person. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing shit at me? Hogan? Piece of shit. <laughs> Janeway up on the bridge is really starting to look like a bowling champion. The big urn hair is back, and so many bangers are dropping, we're starting to get fire bangers. The worst kind. They can't get these fires out. They uh, start to realize that this saving the bridge may be a lost cause, and everybody is leaving the bridge but Janeway. Her station isn't password protected, and she's got a lot of tax documents on the screen. <laughs> yeah, somebody were to find this ship. Yikes. She, uh, she runs for the exit after failing to do whatever she was trying to do, and she looks back at the burning wreckage of her bridge, and she sees the ghostly images of her crew and herself working like nothing is amiss. Does this qualify as another uh, cut on action here? Because I really liked how we got into the POV of, of the apparitions that she saw on her way out. Yeah, it was good. And then and then that kind of cross cuts twice and we see we're going to need terms to to talk about these two ships and crews and I'm going to propose messy Janeway and clean Janeway. Uh we get clean Janeway seeing ghostly messy Janeway leaving the bridge. Look at her. She's a mess. <laughs> and she, That's how like, you want to put it? Really? Well, we could we could use Prime and Malibu. But of all the awful things we've said this episode, I feel like that's the one that's going to get us in trouble. <laughs> why why would Messi get us in more trouble than all that shit you said that we had to edit out? I don't know. <laughs> that's your problem. So uh, so uh, clean Janeway looks kind of ashen faced, and Chakotay's like, "What's up, Captain? You look like you've seen a ghost." And she's like, "I did. I really did." On a night. Just like this. <laughs> the Voyager was driving through a terrible rainstorm. <laughs> Someone shot protons at it. It sounded like a dump truck being dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they pulled the dirty Janeway out of the pile of girders... <laughs> Her body looked like this. So should we call her Large Janeway in that case? There we go. It's Large Janeway and it's, Messy Janeway. Yeah. I love that Clean Janeway uh, comes over to Clean BLT to get the sensors back online. And Hogan gives her a, make up your mind, <laughs> says Hogan's yeah. face. That's some great comedy in, a, in an episode that is almost totally without it. Yeah, I love that moment. Everyone it, who's been in a workplace where all of a sudden, God, more shit? Cool. It is a very grim episode, but it finds its moments. Yeah. Janeway to engineering. Balana, I want you to stop the proton bursts immediately. 
Okay. Understood. This is a much happier reality where Ensign Wildman's baby got boarded and the ship did not experience a catastrophic series of bangers and uh, mommy and baby are doing just fine. Unfortunately, Neelix is uninjured in this universe. Right. And uh, oddly, Kess is present on the bio bed over there. Yeah. And Ben, I strongly believe that anytime the doc is asked to wake an unconscious patient, he should... Wake up, Lieutenant! That should be his callback every time, no matter how serious the moment. That would be great. Yeah. So uh, Messy Kess has, uh, has made it over to this other reality, and she's, uh, she's kind of recapping what happened. She was running down to save Skulk Hogan with her med kit on deck 15, and then, and then she woke up here. Someone hit her with a piece of conduit. She doesn't <laughs> know who it was. <laughs> Somebody threw a fucking dryer vent at me. What the hell? Janeway from off screen is like, this piece of conduit? <laughs> Janeway's mind is already solved for this. Kess is not from this Voyager, and neither is this piece of conduit. All pieces of conduit are accounted for Yeah. on clean Voyager. There's coffee in another Voyager out there. And uh, also, I know we're all just rapping in the six bay right now, trying to figure <laughs> out the Kess situation, but there is the problem of the spatial rift on Deck 15. Yeah. That right. we've done, like, someone has just set up a couple of floor cones around, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. That deck is still open for visitors. It says uh it says spatial rift in English and piso mojado in Spanish and somebody's like that's not even a correct translation. What the fuck? What does washing my hands have to do with a spatial rift on deck 15? La vese los spatial rift. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Topic of plasma bursts comes up, and Guess is like, that was fucking up our ship. And Janeway is like, well, that's what we're using to fix our ship. What the hell is going on? Well, that's what we're trying to figure out. They realize that they are killing the other Voyager. Like, Star Trek is so great at this. The scene where a main character sort of has it figured out, and then we cut directly to... The McLaughlin Group. Presenting inside opinions and forecasts on major issues of the day. Where we actually explain what's happening to the rest of the crew that doesn't know. <laughs> and Chakotay is the voice in the room that does that. Yeah. He's, he's describing what happened. We're getting a nice visual of a couple of blurry voyagers on top of each other. Two ships cannot occupy the same space at the same time, ordinarily. Right. But these two can. And, uh, and then... That's the moment that Janeway cites a Kent State study and then pronounces the word... A spatial scission. (laughs) I had no idea it was pronounced that way. For millennia, people have been making fun of my shibboleth, and here you are. You make me feel whole again, Captain Janeway. You pissed your shibboleth patch to make me feel cooler. In front of the other students. Is there a congenital birth defect that you would compare this to? <laughs> Siamese twins? Jesus, Janeway, what the hell? What is wrong with you? You know that's <laughs> not the way we talk about those things these days. <laughs> this is a bonkers scene. 
there are so many problems to solve. Their mission, as it is right now, top of mind for some reason, getting Kess to the hell off of this ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've well, got to put her back there. So the ship is running out of power because they they shizzmed everything but the antimatter. So the two ships are basically drawing on the same fuel tank to right. run their warp engines. And they do have an opportunity because if Messy Kess goes back through the rift to the other side, she can be like, hey, could you knock off using the warp engine? We could really uh, we could really use this antimatter or whatever. We get a lot of scenes later where Janeway and Janeway are in the same space. We don't get a lot of scenes where Cass and Sloppy Cass are in the same space. <laughs> I think that's because they look identical except for the bruise that the conduit made hitting Cass in the back of the head, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, Cass did not get nearly as messy as uh, some of the other characters. I think she could even pass as not messy. She should try and swap swap places, you know? That's what I'm saying. I don't think we can rule out that they did. Wow. And we just don't know it. So there's two Voyagers. There's yeah. one fuel tank. And otherwise, they are occupying the same space at the same time. And they want to figure out how to put them back together. They just feel awful because these proton bursts were a a really bad deal for messy Voyager. <laughs> I don't know why that works so much for me. <laughs> But in the meantime, Messy Kess is like back down in Six Bay, kind of trying to sleep it off. But it is very uncomfortable for her to be in here with the with the living baby because I think she just feels a lot of guilt about all the dead baby jokes that she's been doing right. in the wake of uh, the death of Baby Wildman. I know. And now, now here's a living Baby Wildman to really twist the knife about what a tragedy that actually is. Hey, Ben, what's your favorite dead Star Trek baby joke? <laughs> oh, um, what's the difference between a shuttlecraft full of bowling balls and a shuttlecraft full of dead Star Trek babies? What's that? You can use a pitchfork to unload the <laughs> shuttlecraft full of dead Star Trek babies. <laughs> hey, Ben, what has four legs and one arm? What? A target at children's playground. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, she's uh, expressing some some real uh, deep shit to the doctor, and um, she's you know telling him about how bad it is over there, and he's like, "Well, I'm sure they'll be fine. They've got another uh, they've got another Doctor Schmollis, and uh, any ship with a Doctor Schmollis is in good shape, right?" And Kess feels great after this. Yeah, that's exactly what she needed to hear. That's the pick me up she needed. Yeah. So in engineering, BLT is briefing Janeway about all the things she's tried to do to connect their Voyager to Sloppy Voyager. And what they need to do is come up with a signal that they could send to Sloppy Voyager that they'll understand. But also it can't be too complex, right? So it's got to be a tone or a sound effect or whatever. Right. Come up with an, like the first annoying sound you can think of. That's what we're, we're going to flush down the pipe here. If you can think of the most annoying sound, that would be great. And that is exactly the sound that they send. This is terrifically annoying. It gets yeah. everyone's attention. What's that? I don't know. It's some kind of communism coming through all the space bands. 
And messy Janeway is like, uh, the only way to solve this is to send the same sound back. Just get it done. Ugh. And, I mean, it works. They they match their signals. Yeah. The uh, the clean is 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 able to communicate with the with the messy. Yeah. And on a panel behind them, they see messy Janeway. Right. And what she tells them in this moment is. We are going to elliptically edit into the next scene where you tell the crew how plausible the story I'm about to tell you is. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah. I read that this episode was short, like agonizingly almost 10 minutes short. Oh, in the in the initial cut? And when I see a scene like this, like you know where all the fat was removed, right? A scene like this is I think where you you could bulk it up to get it up to time. But I think you only realize how short you are once you start delivering cuts. So yeah, I mean, you can't go back for this one. I guess not. It's. I mean, it's. It seems like it wouldn't be that hard to. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just one actor and two setups, right? But yeah, if you were gonna do a reshoot, but they also don't always have time. You're to not do gonna reshoots. get bigger in continuity with that hair, though. If right. you go back for a reshoot, right. She can't win the bowling championship twice. It's interesting that this is treated as a technological problem to solve and never a morality problem to solve, at least at this point, right? Because what has happened here is we have new life and there it <laughs> sits. It sits exactly where you sit. And and where I sit, they're right on top of us. I did really wish that there was some discussion of the metaphysics of this. Like when yeah. they remerge, will Janeway have the memories of messy Janeway and clean Janeway in her head in parallel? I wanted to know that too. We get straight into the deflectors and not about who is the alpha and who is the beta of the pairs here. They have to, uh, to depolarize a step space field or something. And there's going to be a resonance pulse, but the messy Voyager is really low on power at this point. So it's going to be, they've got like one shot at this and they've got to make it work. I really love how it's just Star Trek banter, Star Trek banter, Star Trek banter. But what really slaps is just the visual, like the ship passing through the other ship. Yeah. Ghostly. They give it a try and cutting to the wide shot for the attempt at merging the two ships made me really nervous. Yeah, usually a bad sign, cutting to the wide shot. And it is a bad moment here. The merger does not take effect. The Securities and Exchange Commission has uh, some problems with it and uh, it doesn't, doesn't go through. Everyone's been slimed for some reason. Yeah, and comms are down. They can't even communicate anymore. I mean, with comms down, the rift seems to be like the only way left to communicate with the messy Voyager. And so Kess is like, cool. I mean, I'm ready to go. We've developed the tech to allow me to, to go back home. So I'm just going to go do that. And Chainway's like, not so fast. Fit me for a cuff, too. I'm going with. <laughs> and so with a dust buster and a tricorder, clean Janeway goes through to the other side with Kess. Why do you think? Clean Janeway took the gun. This is a question as crucial to me as the unanswered one about the morality of creating a second life. Because if you suggest in the earlier scene that the different pairs of crew people are going to act toward different ends. Yeah. 
it makes the phaser a really interesting thing to hold right in this scene as it is it serves no utility in the story or anywhere else it's Chekhov's phaser and it's like it caught my eye the second they show a wide enough shot of her that you see it and I was like fuck what is gonna happen is she gonna shoot her way out of messy voyager She's going to be like, I came here for your torpedoes and only your torpedoes. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got like a, a wheelbarrow behind her running through the corridor back to <laughs> back to the rift. You know, when talking it all out, Ben, it it does seem like a successful red herring in in the scene and in the moment. Yeah. Like I'm unsatisfied by it because I want I want more of an arrow pointing to it and a reason behind it, but it's, it's, its very existence creates the kind of chaos in my mind that I think was intentional. I think I think that's a great way of looking at it. And uh, she gets her great grand entrance where she gets to walk into engineering while Messy Janeway is saying, like, we're out of options, and she's like, I might have some ideas about options. Messy Janeway grabs clean Janeway's dustbuster and holds it to her temple, and she's like, <laughs> I got a way out of this for everyone. You have no idea what it's like here. The Vidians are everywhere. <laughs> we don't want to go back. <laughs> Big Earn Janeway and and Clean Janeway rap about what to do here in a scene that is really, really cool and not cheesy in the two people with mismatched eye lines talking to each other about something heavy. They They like actually reduce the list of options down to, in a very hushed tone, I'm thinking that the plan should be to blow up the ship. I tried to blow up the ship a couple episodes ago, and it only seemed to, like, kind of trigger everyone's ASMR, but this time I'm going to fucking do it. But first, I'm going to crumple up this receipt. See these two pieces of conduit here? Listen as I as I scrape them together. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, look, I have a piece of toast here, and I'm going to drag my knife across the surface. But then, like, right after that, I'm going to blow up the ship. The math here makes a lot of sense, right? It is messy Janeway offering to blow up the messy Voyager. It's like, listen, we've got two ships. One of them is in real bad shape. We're going to blow up the bad one. She kind of lilies herself. I'm going to blow up the damn ship. (laughs) (laughs) And then clean Janeway's like, no! (laughs) Uh, Hey, speaking of that, I got to see the gold ships from First Contact recently, Adam. Wow. I went to the uh, the Skirball Center here in Los Angeles. Has the... uh, has the Star Trek exhibit that's touring. It was at the Mopop in Seattle originally. It's yeah, that's down, where I saw it. Down here in LA, I got to go. Uh, I I got to take a tour with our buddy Manu Sadia. Oh, and, uh, fun! Right on, right as you walk in, you walk past Kirk's chair, and then there are the little ships, and they've been put back together. They're not broken anymore. What's it got to be like to pack up an exhibit like that and then unpack it on the other side? Yeah. You don't want to get you. You don't want to break anything. Paul Allen will have you fucking killed. Yeah, Paul Allen's been uh, dead a long time. It's it's his sister Jody that has been rolling him in his grave uh, <laughs> ever since. Uh, oh. Totally, totally destroying. Uh, look, like Paul Allen was not a great billionaire because there are no good billionaires. Uh, but. 
but Jody is uh, is an even worse idea. Wow. I highly suggest you uh, you Google search Jody Allen, and then uh, security detail, and then maybe uh, G string, and then maybe uh, penguin bones, and <laughs> customs. Oh. Okay. Do all of those and and see what comes out. I think you will be shocked at did what you, just, you read. Did you just read your password reminder to yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. You'll be able to get into my computer with those clues. <laughs> yeah, all billionaires are horrible people. Fuck them. Fuck them. I've got to get that platinum, get that enlargement. <laughs> Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that. Lackwood now. Are you planning a heist? Gold. Back on the undamaged Voyager, Ben, the clean Voyager, a Vidian ship shows up at the wrongest time. Yeah. I was so ready for this to happen because yeah. they've been given too much time to just lay back in the cut solving a Star Trek problem without some external force at play. Seriously. And these are some of the rottenest Vidians we've seen so far. These are meaty kings, aren't they? They are. <laughs> one of them's a real long burger. Yeah, one of them's a long burger and the other's a lumpy burger. And uh, they uh, they can tell something weird is going on with the uh, with the Voyager. They can tell that there's some kind of Star Trek problem going on over there, but they're like, well, anyways, they're sitting ducks, so let's go get us some organs. They drive their Arby's-class ship, like, right over the top yeah. of Voyager, and then drop a couple of uh, umbilicals into yeah. it. They begin uh, boarding the ship, and this is really scary. Like, they have those uh, those tricorder phasers they get Tuvok like right away. They are so efficient with what they're doing. It felt like Star Trek First Contact when the Borgs were moving through the ship and just like zip, 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 quickly shooting their fangs into people and assimilating them. It was yeah. horrifying. I think that the the thing that separates this from Star Trek First Contact is that they just didn't have the budget or time to have lots and lots of people in this loaf. So they, yeah. I think there's like three of them maybe. Yeah, but it, but later on we learn there's hundreds of them doing this around the ship. It's just terrifying. And we watch a lot of people get it. We watch Tuvok get it. We watch Paris and a few others get it. And it's like they are just like walking around with those like with those like six pack coolers from the '80s that they do live organ transplants on the back of Vespas with, filling them up. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that? the amount of main character casualties happening in the scene cuts against the tension that we should feel about whether or not anyone can be saved and we can return to normal at the end of the episode. Like, as as much as I enjoyed in the terrifying way seeing all of this destruction happen to people I care about, it went past the tipping point into that area of, well, this isn't real, this is... This is going to be righted. They're killing too many people at once. <laughs> In the way that, like, kill one main character, and it's, it's like, appropriately believable for television. But when right. you kill six of them, suddenly you know that things are going to be put back to normal at the end somehow. Yeah, I mean, I was mostly just feeling like oh shit like they're like this is now fucking up the good ship. Like there was there yeah. was the one that we want to like walk away with and it's, it's messy transference, isn't it? It's yeah. So and 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 I think what it's in there for is like it makes you confront are you valuing the ship or the lives of the crew more? 
as a viewer. I wish they did that thing where a Vidian goes up to your body with the meat phaser, yeah. hits a button, and then your body is set up on, on that trick magician's table, like where your legs are <laughs> under the table and your fake legs are sticking out, and part of your body just kind of sinks <laughs> from the empty space of the gut that gets pulled out. Oh, yeah. Give me some of that. That'd be a neat effect. Yeah. They've got and it's a hide, practical too. They've got to hide the baby. Nobody thinks to use these these horns on the Vidians. <laughs> yeah, the, Doc Holiday just grabs the baby by the ankles and starts swinging. <laughs> <laughs> and the Vidians are are not equal <laughs> no, to this attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he turns those Vidians into Ensign Wildman's nether regions pretty fast. Yeah. So the Vidian, I don't know why the Vidians sent guys to Six Bay right away. It seems like you would get cleaner, better, better organs elsewhere on the ship. Six Bay is sort of the Stater Brothers of the ship. <laughs> what you really, if you're if you're going for meat, you really want to take it over to a premium grocery store near the bridge or near the mess hall. Yeah, I guess it's not quite the last place you would go. The last place you would go is Neelix's, where. You know that these people have recently come in contact with that food and most of their internal organs will not be usable. Phaser blast damaged the right kidney, but the other organs are healthy. And they basically realize that this is an unwinnable fight. There are hundreds of Vidians on the ship. So clean Janeway FaceTimes messy Janeway and is like, listen, the the auto-destruct is, is going to be happening over here. I'm actually going to do it. Me. I've got this hairbrush here, and all my big yarn hair is kind of sticking out. Listen to me. I just draw a brush through my hair. That's nice. Now I'm going to... I've got this nice clicky keyboard, and I'm going to put in the command codes for the self-destruct on this keyboard. Nice thug on each key as I push it down. <laughs> She's going to send Harry Kim and Baby Wildman back through the rift. It does not appear as though Kim has a choice in the matter, which is a great bit of power dynamics happening here. Yeah. He can't say anything. Well, he seems like happy to do it. Nobody else on the bridge raises their hand and goes like, um, could I go too, Captain? I mean, I know that there's going to be like a limited number, but... I'm pretty sure I'm dead over there too. <laughs> <laughs> I say we let him go. <laughs> See, that guy agrees. People are going th through the rift, killing their counterparts over there, then coming back and telling Janeway that their counterpart's dead. Yeah, it turns out Paris uh, bought it also. Uh, Federation phaser hit him, and we don't know how that could have happened, but it did. Yeah, what's weird is, though, like, while we joke about the interest that many people would have in fleeing and going to live on the other ship, there are other mismatched casualties, but it's yeah. just Kim and the baby and the horny baby that, that get this opportunity. And a wheelbarrow full of torpedoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kim has got a bandolier of just one torpedo casing around him. <laughs> Tuvok has got to be ashamed of himself after what happens when Kim storms Six Bay and takes out the Vidians yeah. solo. Yeah, I mean, God, the scene opens with the doc overhearing the Vidians doing their awful business and asking about where the baby is. They're like, they're like doing an accounting of the bodies in the room, a real yeah. gross kind of accounting. 
Nasty the sort stuff. of accounting that is as nauseating as our own actual accounting for our business. <laughs> and uh, and in bursts Kim with like a really cool three-part action sequence of shooting and diving and rolling and shooting again. It's great. Yeah. He great really... episode for uh, Garrett Wong. He he does great. He sells his the shit out of his shoulder roll. I I thought it was awesome. He snatches that baby like Chow Yun Fat and hard boiled. And uh the deads on uh, on messy Voyager are going to be replenished. I, I wanted to talk real quickly about like how the self-destruct gets set because the captain does it by herself and the ship does not ask Chakotay to concur. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those rare instances of the computer putting Chakotay in the ball-kicking machine. <laughs> she does not ask anybody's uh, opinion about this course of action. I mean, Chakotay doesn't pipe up. The computer chooses this moment to announce to the rest of the ship that it has taken Chakotay's DNA and has created some sort of half Chakotay, yeah. half computer baby. There will be no further audio warnings. So Kim jumps through the rift just as Clean Voyager explode, taking out the Vidian ship. Another really fun effect. We, we cut to the wide shot and it's two ships exploding and then the explosion clears and there's a an intact messy voyager just sitting there looking looking fine messy but fine it would have been welcome for any of the crew people who have demonstrated special mental abilities to feel the death of their counterpart you know Oh, yeah. As it is, I feel like this amount of death is just sort of breezed past very, very quickly. But, like, there's a reality to the idea that they all died and they all lived. There really is. I mean, this is something that Tuvok unpacks a bit with the captain talking about the, like, crazy ethical quandary she was faced with. And Janeway's like, I'd like to tell you what I was thinking exact moment but that's just for captains to understand anyway see this carpet under my shoe <laughs> i'm just gonna draw my shoe across the carpet a little bit and now i'm gonna take this bag of doritos <laughs> and i'm gonna take a single dorito out and put it flat on the table and then push my finger down on it <laughs> All of my examples are stupid and like <laughs> and like made up in the moment. You you've actually watched these videos. I have clearly. not. I'm just imagining things that make those kinds of sense. I think my examples are just as you do, dumb. You just have a you have a better imagination for this than I do. <laughs> I'm just closer to being in a dream state right now. Is the yeah. truth? Yeah. The uh, the button on the episode is Harry Kim. Uh, cracking his knuckles on both hands and saying, I've got a whole new Voyager here. I haven't fucked anyone on this Voyager. Let's get going, baby. Wow. Does his, does his odometer get reset here? I think it does. It is very weird that Kim is sharing some sincere concerns about his life on the ship going forward. 
And Janeway just tells him to rub some temporal dirt on it and get back to work. <laughs> we so rarely get the, what are you going to do? This is Star Trek. Freeze frame, roll credits. Yeah. But we get it here. It It's and, a, a very lower deck style answer. Like I, she says, like, yeah. this is basically what you signed up for, bub. Yeah. Shit is weird as hell here. Did you like this episode, Adam? <laughs> you know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets. I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I think the end of this episode comes very close to affecting how you might like the rest of it. So this did not ruin the punch of the rest of the episode to me. Yeah. Still found the punch very tasty. This told me that it was going to be like one of those classic sci-fi stories of double crews, and it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be based on on your preview to the episode. And yeah. it surprised me in a lot of places in ways that were satisfying. And it horrified me in ways that I was not expecting. Like I thought my tolerance for the Vidians was already there. Like <laughs> I'm already looking at dark web Vidian shit at this point. Like all uh-huh. the normal stuff does not move the needle for me. And I was I was surprised slash delighted that like they still have the gross out power. It was they are gnarly and uh good episode for it yeah absolutely what about you ben yeah i agree on all points it's a a very inventive way of doing an episode like this that kind of pulls on some ideas that we've come across in star trek before but uh really puts the puts a new spin on them and puts a new a very like voyager specific spin on them and it really highlights how much more willing this show is to make it feel like we have crossed a Rubicon yeah. uh, multiple times a season. Like, wow, that is really going to change like how this crew behaves in the future. And I believe it will, like sincerely. It makes you wonder if this Janeway has just gotten a little too used to killing both herself and others. <laughs> she seems pretty comfortable with the idea. She well, seems uh, very comfortable with just bringing a phaser over to a parallel universe, basically. Yeah, she sure does. Well, Adam, do you want to bring a phaser over to the Priority One inbox? If I see duplicates in the Priority One inbox, I know what to do. <laughs> Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a personal nature. It's from Nibble, the one that received the last message. Oh. And it's to Nibble, the one that sent the last message. Okay. And that message goes like this. I write this on our sixth grinderversary. <laughs> cool. <laughs> For our second wedding anniversary since I first saw you on Grinder. Proudly announcing that your spirit animal was Jordy LaForge, I knew that we were meant to be. If I had any doubts, they vanished when we were both equally thrilled after Adam and Ben tossed us scarves at Sketchfest. Whoa! To many more adventures! Wow, both nibbles got scarves at Sketchfest? I'm kind of shocked that uh, that anyone we hit with scarves has stuck around with the show. As I remember... (laughs) You really gunned them out there. Like, we had knots tied in the middle so that they would fly further. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I knocked a lot of far. drinks over that night. Yeah. Wow. Happy anniversary, Nibbles. 
I, you know what? Here's the thing. If I were writing a dating profile or a, or a grinder profile, mm-hmm. which is a very different thing. Not, not always the case that a grinder profile is, uh, is soliciting a date. Right. I probably save the Jordi LaForge thing for later. <laughs> That's not the tone I'd want to set. Right. Yeah. You want to be like mid coitus when you drop that bomb. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, our second priority one message is uh, from the dead Harry Kim left floating in space like nothing even happened. And that's two, anyone who cares. <laughs> Parenthetically, apparently no one. I love this. The uh, message goes like this. Little help here? <laughs> Anybody? Pretty sure I still exist, since I'm originally from the Voyager that didn't self-destruct. So, no funeral then? Not even gonna phaser cremate me? Just tumbling through the inky void forever then? Anybody? Hello? God. Oh well. This show does not have the gramba to (laughs) cut to the exterior, show us frozen Harry Kim spinning in space slowly and then throw us the three credits. Yeah. Well, Adam, uh, if uh, folks would like a Priority One message, uh, they can head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Book it now. We've got uh, lots and lots of availability over on The Greatest Discovery and We've got availability on this show as well, but it is uh, quickly getting claimed for 2022. So get on it if you want it on The Greatest Generation. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I mean, I thought I had my drunk Shimoda selected, but frozen floating Harry Kim <laughs> is is an idea I can't get out of my head. Yeah. And the idea that they just forgot about him. Here's what I want to do with my Shimoda. I want to make frozen floating Harry Kim my Shimoda so that we can never forget him. Yeah. Let's cement him into into the tapestry of Greatest Gen. Let's wow. make him a canonical Shimoda. Okay. Where he'll live forever. I had a I had one selected as well, but in order to make Colin Dinsmore's end of season Shimoda power ranking, you need to have at least two usually. So I'm going to yeah. join you. Right. We're going to daily double this Shimoda for that reason. That's big. <laughs> really good job by us, Ben, doing the right thing. Yeah, it's huge of us, really. Objection noted. We'll do this without. Do it. Do it. Do it. Also huge is the fact that we are past that goddamn banger on the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. Adam, do you want to go over to gach.biz slash game and uh, get your dice ready while I tell you about the next episode? Sure thing. The next episode is season two, episode 22, Innocence. After crash landing on a moon, Tuvok encounters three terrified children who claim they've been brought there to die. Tuvok counts up all the kids and is like, it took your mother 13 days to give birth. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun bit of trivia from this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Usually usually labor is uh, shorter on... on, uh, second and third children right hey i don't know anything about how that works 
maybe Vulcans are wired a little bit differently. Who knows? You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Well, what I do know for sure, Ben, is our runabout is slowly pulsing on square 25. A couple squares ahead. We've got the Naked Now episode, which I for sure am not going to hit with this roll of my die. (laughs) Famous last words. Roll that bone, Adam. I have rolled a six. Whoa! Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Which puts that in the distance. We're currently on square 31. Wow. It is a regular old episode, and we are on the fourth row of the game. That was fast. We got yeah. we spent so long on the second row. I feel like we had like so much pent up momentum that we just spurred it onto the fourth row. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been rolling dice like ropes, uh, getting this way out into the distance. I'm I don't know. I mean, I I am hoping the uh, the creators of this game. By that I mean Philippe Sobriero, Craig Anderson, and Andrew Wong Hoyer didn't get under the hood of this thing and, and change how the dice worked. I was entertained by yeah. by how long we were stuck. Yeah. But uh yeah, now we're on the fourth row. We're you were entertained. I was fucking outraged. Yeah. Yeah, we had very different feelings about the game at that point. Yeah. I was starting to really lose my lose my temper. Um, wow. Well, uh, I'm really looking forward to a regular old episode next week about a bunch of children dying. And, yeah, uh, Star Trek and kids episodes are always the best ones, right? Is this Voyager's <laughs> Rascals? Is that where we're going to get here? Oh, I don't know. Well, if you enjoyed the episode, maybe tell a friend about it. Maybe, uh, maybe tell a, a colleague or a, a family member that you enjoy the show and recommend they listen. And, uh, hey, this being the Max Fun Block Party, check out some other shows on the network. There's also The Greatest Discovery, but there's also Miriam, other shows about all different topics. And a lot of them are really, really great. And some of them are even better than this show. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh <laughs> If you're uh, interested in supporting the production of The Greatest Generation, you can uh, head to MaximumFun.org slash join and set up a monthly membership. We really appreciate that. Yeah, and make sure the show keeps going in these uncertain times. Yeah. So many people contribute to the show's quality. Yeah. Makes it more fun to be a friend of DeSoto. You know what I'm talking about. You want to talk about the show? You want to make a new friend? That's a friend of DeSoto? You can do that in all of the places that have social media. Bill Tilly is our social media director. You can talk about the show on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. You can uh, follow and subscribe the official accounts of The Greatest Generation. They're at GreatestTrek on Twitter, at GreatestTrek on Instagram. There's DrunkShimoda.com, the Discord. Uh, and and Miriam Facebook pages just full of all kinds of interests. The main interest being Greatest Gen and then the tertiary interest being stuff like cooking or exercising or making babies or uh, all kinds of stuff. There's a group of friends of DeSoto that watch Drag Race together. Oh yeah. You can subdivide it basically any way you want. Uh, we gotta thank Adam Ragusia who made the Janeway song, our theme music and Dark Materia made the Picard song on which that is based 
Got to thank uh, Nick Dittmore for uh, helping us get podshop.biz set up. Yeah, got to thank Nick Dittmore helping us create new items all the time for podshop.biz. That URL again, podshop.biz. That's true, Adam. And with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager where Tuvok finds out where children go to die. Oh, no. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.